Welcome back, everybody. We're in episode 10 of the Big Gold Belt Podcast. This is Mr. Sellers with A.A. Ron. Just a twosome today. We had two chains coming in today. Maybe he'll chime in in the middle of our review today. Got a couple of topics we're going to talk about. Uh, You know, today is June 3rd, 2015. We just had the debut of ROH on the Destination American Network, as well as followed by Impact, which switched from Fridays to Wednesdays now. And NXT was also a little bit in action. But first, we're going to open up with a a newly released info that came out from WWE in regards to NXT with a big match that's going to be streamed from Japan with Finn Balor and Kevin Owens. So, Aaron, let's go ahead and start about that. What What info do you have about that? So yeah, they uh they had William Regal come in, I think in the first third of the show. I watched about half of NXT. I plan to watch the rest of it after we're done recording. There was just between that and ROH and TNA and the Blackhawks, my brain's just kind of fried at the moment. But what he announced was that they are going to be streaming live on the WWE Network uh, July 4th uh, from Tokyo, Japan. There's going to be kind of a special super card, um, mostly main roster stars, well, Regal said that they, he was asked as general manager to, um, if NXT wanted to have a presence on that card, and he said that's when we're going to get Balor uh, cashing in his number one contender spot against NXT champion Kevin Owens. That same show will also feature uh, live appearances by Brock Lesnar and Chris Jericho, as well as wow. John Cena, the Lucha Dragons, Paige, Neville, uh, Kid, and Cesaro, among others. I know that uh, it was rumored that Brock was going to be facing Kofi Kingston at that date, but now that it's being shown live on the network, I would have to imagine it would be a bigger profile match, maybe against Jericho. It's what a lot of people are projecting. And um, it's going to be broadcast live, which uh, since it's from Tokyo, it's going to be 6.30 a.m. East Coast time, uh, 5.30 here in Central time where I'm from. I... uh, I'm not working that day. I plan on waking up and watching it live, and I'll tell you why, and maybe you'll agree with me. I watched um, Wrestle Kingdom 9, the New Japan's kind of WrestleMania-caliber show, and that aired at like, oh gosh, it started at 2 in the morning, I think, this past January, and it was really cool being up at that time of night and being on Twitter and interacting with all these crazy live wrestling fans in America who stayed up to watch it. Um, I plan on getting up. Are you going to get up early and watch it, or are you going to catch the replay on the on demand on the network? Now, now you gave me information because I did not get a chance to see NXT. I'm definitely going to watch it live like you. I don't have Excellent. to work that day, so I will be up. That will be like breakfast. and beer go and watch this live. Yes, I will be watching it. Excellent. Yeah, man, we can, uh, we can chat it up online during that then. I'm sure um, – I know Dr. M gets up early to watch a lot of the big tennis opens, so he has yes. no excuse to sleep <laughs> in on this one. I'm talking to you, Dr. M. But, yeah, man, I uh, I think it's going to be great. I think they should. this is something that they could really use the network for in the future, broadcasting stuff from every international tour. I think it's a great right. idea when they can make it work, especially around big holidays when people are going to be um, hopefully home anyways. I know a lot of people go travel on the 4th, but... I personally don't. So, yeah, that's going to be – I'm really looking forward to it. Balor has a huge Japanese history being part of the Bullet Club, being part of New Japan. He's a star over there. I think the crowd's going to be huge for him. Uh, quick question. Do you think they give the title to Balor there in the interest of getting Owens free and clear on the main roster? Uh, that is a good, good question. Um, and just to add to what you're saying, if people have their iPads, they should be able to take the network anywhere as long as it has a Wi-Fi or some type of decent connection. Yep. Um, 
Oh, that's a good question. Just in a very, very early prediction, a month out, since we're basically almost a month away from July 4th from this newly announced event, I would think that Balor should win, especially the background he has in Japan. If he won it in the international market, saying the belt can change at any time, I think that would be great for the network. But I think it will have to be a classic match in mm-hmm. order for Balor to win. If it's not, if it's just an okay match, it won't go over as well, in my opinion. Um, especially, but if you're trying to put Kevin Owens to that next level, going into SummerSlam later that summer, uh, maybe have a John Cena interest in this match. Maybe he could be a special guest referee. You oh, know? that'd be great. Any way that you could do that could progress that storyline, I think that would be a great thing for, for Kevin Owens, but still at the same time a great way for Finn Balor to get the belt. So I, I would say yes is a very, very early impromptu prediction. I think Finn Balor should keep the belt or take the belt on that day. And I, I don't read the NXT spoilers, but you have to imagine that Samoa Joe would play some sort of a factor in all this, um, just because they've been teasing that tension with him and Kevin Owens. Um, right. Joe did sign a full-time deal with WWE after he finishes his indie dates that he's already committed to. So um, it's going to be really interesting, but I'm super, I'm way more excited for this than I was the Chamber live special we just saw, especially seeing how it turned out. You can listen to episode nine if you want to hear our full thoughts on that. I don't want to even go back to that. No. But that should be a good show. I hope for three hours in the morning time. You have Brock Lesnar, which is a big moneymaker. Uh, Kevin Owens, Finn Balor. So that should be lined up for real, real good cards. So great breaking information. I did get a chance to see that on the Bleach Report app that the match was going to be uh, live in Japan, but I didn't know anybody else who was going to be on it. Yeah. So thank you, Aaron, for that. Let's transcend to a kind of a couple of premieres. Uh, once again, we said RH was going to premiere today on the Destination American Network. And of course, when we're looking at Impact Wrestling from TNA and now ROH, both are not live shows. Uh, both shows have been previously recorded, um, and they had some interesting debuts for the first time on TV. Sometimes people got introduced to the Briscoe Brothers for the first time. Um, my personal favorite that I loved off of RH was the introduction of Moose. And when I was looking at uh this impact, or excuse me, this RH and impact, two things really hit me from this, Aaron, and maybe you can get some follow-up to this. For RH, it really brought back classic wrestling in which you understand what a true wrestling show was. You only had promos or conversations for about one minute of a whole hour show, and you still had four matches about evenly distributed in time that fit in on an hour show. Um, with, with RH, do you feel like that you would agree that it was focused on wrestling, or do you think it should be more based on wrestling is about promos, wrestling is about storylines? How did you feel about RH in his debut? Well, I'm, I can't claim to be entirely familiar with the storylines currently going on in ROH. I watched it, I dabbled quite a bit last summer in it. I um, was able to watch their best in the world Pay-per-view, they do a lot of co-branded stuff with New Japan, and if you ever get a chance, Best in the World 2014 was an excellent show. And I followed up with a little bit of ROH. We don't um, get it here in some of the Midwest markets, uh, but we do now, obviously, with them going national, so I'm going to follow it a lot more closely. For me, like I said on a past episode, I really have to have the storyline in order to truly engage with it. It's why I don't tune into New Japan a lot for what they show on... um, Axis television because it's a lot of clip together matches. Um, 
that said, Ring of Honor has the name Ring in the name of their company, so you know that's where the uh, the emphasis of the show is going to be. And that's okay. Like, if you want to differentiate your product that way, I think that's okay. I um, I enjoyed the broadcast. I think Moose was also the highlight for me. Um, the spot he did with um, with uh, Silas Young's kid, it looks like he was the young boy of that, uh, that faction. Yeah. I'm, Forgive yep. me for not knowing all the names. I'm going to get more familiar as we go forward here. But um, he picked a kid up by, like, the legs and swung his head back and forth in the corner of the barricade. I had never seen a spot like that. And I just sat there and just, like, I know I was probably supposed to be feeling bad for the kid. His dad's sitting there watching this happen. But I couldn't help but laugh. It was just very entertaining. I think Moose is awesome. Um, we need to do our homework more on him because I was asking, we were texting during the show, and I asked you, they said he was a former NFL player. I don't know who he played for, right. but um, we need to do our homework on Moose. We should have an all-Moose cast sometime soon and just honor the greatness that is Moose. Um, oh, and- man, just his gimmick itself, the way his charisma, his presence in the ring, he didn't even do that much talking. No. It was just showing how much you can just do if you're so over with the crowd. Like, if you can imagine if he was in the WWE mm-hmm. you know, ring with that same gimmick, I mean... This is better than, like, Ahmed Johnson. This is better. Uh, this is, to me, almost like the level of The Rock, but just not as charismatic on a speaking terms, but just his overall power, physique, his look. It's just classic WWE written all over it. And, and to be honest with you, uh, Vita or Veta Scott, I'm not sure how you pronounce her first name. Oh, she's just so beautiful to me. She reminds me so much of Michelle McCool mm-hmm. when she had her school teacher gimmick. And I think that mouthpiece to go along with him will work work so well in the WWE. So, I mean, WWE, if you're doing your homework and you're watching these live shows too, you might want to get in on that very hot because he was so over with the ROH crowd. Oh, I, I think those guys are very, very much tapped into ROH considering the amount of uh, guys on the active roster that are ROH alums. Um, I'm not going to list them off. People can look it up if they want to. But um, I think that's a guy that they should pay attention to. What, it was interesting watching him work because I've been catching up online. I don't get El Rey Network, but I've been catching up on Lucha Underground lately. And um, you remember Ezekiel Jackson? Yes, yes. So he's the last um, United last ECW champion. Yeah, he was, and um, he is um, kind of one of their top heels right now. In the part I'm in of season one, I'm only on like episode seven, but I'm catching up with the time I have. But he goes by Big Rick, Rick spelled R-Y-C-K. Um, he's kind of okay. part of this heel faction that's aligned with the um, the on-air owner of Lucha Underground. And okay. they've got him. He wrestles in shorts, and he comes out smoking a cigar. And he's allowed to be so much more charismatic. And he's got the same build as this Moose guy. And I think he's just as entertaining. He's, he's clobbering dudes. Um, the one I just right. watched, he had a triple threat ladder match. For a briefcase full of a hundred grand with um, Johnny Mundo, aka um, John Morrison, and then um, okay. one of their top high flyers who goes by the name of Prince Puma, who's aligned with Conan. But um, it would have just been interesting to see what they could have done differently with Ezekiel Jackson because he got such a great look and build, uh, much like Moose. I just thought that um, they have very similar look, um, very similar gimmick to a certain extent. Um, not a good talent out there, man, outside of WWE. I guess that's maybe what I'm trying to say. It really is. And as, as you're talking about that, what I keep thinking about is back to that E60 television premiere. We discussed it, you know, in past episodes in our broadcast. And we just looked at it inside of what makes a character work. You know, 
when you're using a carrot that comes on two sides, it's what you want to do as a wrestler yourself and what your company wants to do with you. And you have to make somewhere in the middle that you have to make that character work. Mm -hmm. And we just look at people, as you mentioned, with Ezekiel Jackson, with John Morrison, formerly known as Johnny Nitro, if you even go back a few years earlier with him. Um, what they're doing in other promotions. And, you know, Alberto Del Rio, he's an ROH. AJ Styles coming from TNA, he's an ROH. Very well-known names that have a little transform or different gimmick as they go to different uh, promotions. And when we get to TNA, I'm going to make a couple of comments about what I saw from old people that used to be in WWE now and TNA and how successful they're doing. It's just, I mean, it's hard to say who's going to be green-lighted, who's not going to be green-lighted, but it's just a lot of talent out there that if given the right stuff at the right time, it, it could really work. And and I'm happy for the other guys that they're doing in Lucha Underground. And, and I was just very happy to see an RH. One thing I was ha- happy about RH, they got a chance to do their homegrown talent. You didn't have any recognizable names on their first show. And I think that was very smart by them. I didn't know if they purposely set it up that way. I'm but sure they got they a did. to see other people like Jay Briscoe. I mean, just seeing his finishing move for the first time on TV. I've seen it before and, and past internet uh, YouTube clips. But just seeing in person, that movie just executed so beautifully, and these guys got talent. Yeah. So it's just just great to see. How did you feel about that? Yeah, man, I totally agree with what you're saying about um, his finish. It's definitely sick. I um, I also agree. It was really cool to see the Briscoes tonight, to see all of the homegrown talent from Ring of Honor. It um, and we can jump to this when we get to our Impact discussion in a second, but um. It, it drove me nuts. They had a lot of promos for TNA Impact Wrestling throughout ROH and then throughout the Impact Wrestling episode itself. And the guy that they mm-hmm. primarily featured was Kurt Angle. And if I'm someone tuned into Impact for the first time and I see Kurt Angle, I'm going to think, wow, the guy from the late Attitude Era, like that's the best thing they want to feature. No disrespect to Kurt Angle. I love Kurt Angle. Um, I've seen him wrestle live several times, but... I want to see something new at this point. Um, if it was me, well, why don't we skip, we'll hold off on that till we get to the impact discussion. But before we jump to that, you had mentioned E60 earlier. And um, it was interesting. I caught about half of NXT tonight. Like I said, I plan on watching the rest later um, between all the different things I had on, plus the Stanley Cup finals. It was overload. But I heard in the opening match, which was Tyler Breeze versus Adam Rose. The crowd was chaining something to the effect of either we want Kruger or Leo Kruger, referring, of course, to um, Ray LaPon, a.k.a. Adam, Adam Rose's uh, previous character. I think people are over the Adam Rose character. It's really a shame that they didn't do anything with the reaction he got from that E60 special. And I think it's a little bit too late to kind of go back and fix it now and change his character to reflect that reaction he got on social media, but... I don't know. What are you going to do? I mean, honestly, you might have to give him something like a Ryback uh, promo that Ryback did. It was like a long 15-minute promo, which Ryback did very good, which is like the elevation or start of his push that he's currently now the Intercontinental Champion. And I think what people or fans want to really see is who is uh, Adam Rosa, who is Ray LaPano, who is Leo Kruger, who is this guy inside? And they just build off that story and give him a promo saying, hey, guys, this is what the wrestling business is about. I worked so hard. I did not have a great home I mean, home lifestyle. I was not raised properly as a kid because I had so much struggles. But this is what I'm trying to do to make sure my family survives. This is the process that goes on behind the scenes to make my character work. So this is what I'm trying to do. And this is what I'm trying to do right now is be myself. I think he would get so much more respect 
just because he's trying to fight hard because the fans understand how hard it is. It's not an easy business to get into, and it's not an easy business to maintain. You have plenty of talent come and go, you know, just from different areas. And we even mentioned that before about, you know, how we have so many WWE failed gimmicks, but they're doing well in other places. They just want to see who you are and can you bring yourself to the table of the WWE. So I, I would think that he needs to do something like that. It may go over, may not. It may be his career saver, may not be. But I think he just has to be himself now. Bring his true story. Bring his true personality. His true fight here. And that way that could probably save his career. And maybe have a good fan, you know, because he has talent in the ring. But you have to find out what he can do to entertain people. And I think telling his life story can do that. I mean, he was super um, engaging in kind of the real uh, one-on-one interview stuff he did on E60. So yeah. Yeah, I think I think there's something there. Um, they just need to tinker around with it, and I just I think it was a missed opportunity. But I think, like you said, a a heart a heartfelt promo like what Ryback did in the ring. I think that did wonders for Ryback's career. I mean, dude, dude has the IC title now, so um, we're kind of in a reality based era. I think it's something that they should definitely go for still, but I am pessimistic that they will. Um, do you want to move on to TNA now? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. And I'm gonna follow up off your point, basically what you said about. If this is your first time seeing TNA and you feature Kurt Angle three times, to me, I did not think it was a strong impact either. Now, let's let's start with the good. Ethan Carter, who yes. used to be Bateman, Jason Bateman, I believe that was his name, in NXT, one of the NXT seasons, came a long way as far as this gimmick that he's using now as Dixie's nephew, via storyline. And just that opening promo that he did with the, the boys group that was singing, to me, I was purely, purely entertained because you brought heat to him immediately. Booze were coming in. He has a great talking style that he uses, trying to make sure he represents himself being the number one contender. And it goes so well with the gimmick of having an EC 2015, you know, like he's going for an election and everything. Even made reference to George Bush, which wasn't one of the popular presidents of our American history, which brought on more heat. I thought he did it absolutely well. So you have Kurt Angle come out for the first time. He is your, you know, TNA champion. Great. You have your game. But boy, does he look old to me. I mean, Kurt Angle just, I mean, he's in shape. But just his facial structure, his body type, you can just tell he looks so old. He's been in this business for a long time. But then again, after that, it fell flat to me. I mean, you had maybe, what, two or three Divas matches. And the production for the storylines, like the the behind-the-scenes stuff with Mickey James and James Storm, it's just so terrible. It just made me remind myself why I do not watch TNA on a daily basis. And for so much talent that they have in the ring, there's no storyline progressions. I, I barely saw any wrestlers on the roster. It seemed like I just kept seeing Ethan Carter and Kurt Angle. Ethan Carter and, and Kurt Angle. And the guy who's the, the uh, Destination X champion, I cannot remember his name off the top of my head. This is my first time seeing him in character. Um, the X Division champion? Yeah, X Division champion. Uh, Rockstar uh, Spud. Yeah, rock, yeah, yes, yes, thank you, thank you. That was my first time seeing him, and, and I'm thinking, okay, maybe this guy can go in the ring. I saw no highlights, no past promo, why he talked about his long journey. I thought I would like to see that, to show his past history. Once again, if this was my first time watching Impact right after RH, I'm going to bring everything I can to make sure people want to tune in every week. Um, it just didn't do it for me. I was I was bored. Um, it it just wasn't there. And now I see why Impact Wrestling is struggling, and it just wasn't good for me. How about you? 
I enjoyed aspects of the show. I reviewed their show last week as kind of a yes. product review because I, I would consider me to be the target audience of TNA Impact Wrestling. I'm a, in that 18 to 34 demographic. I'm a hardcore wrestling fan. Um, I think I probably enjoyed it a little more than you did. I have a little more familiarity with the Rockstar Spud and um, EC3 past. I think EC3 is the guy they should be putting on all the commercials instead of Kurt Angle. I think he's going to win the world title at their Slammiversary pay-per-view coming up. I did want to make a quick correction. Uh, his former name was Derek Bateman. Jason Bateman's Derek the, Bateman. the actor from Arrested Bateman. Development. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I'm sorry. So I just want to yes. make sure before people kill us on Twitter. So it's uh, Derek Bateman. Um, I agree. I love the barbershop um, quintet that they had in the ring. I wish yes. they – I don't know if it's teenage budget or what. Like, why couldn't we give those guys five mics? I could barely hear all of them at any given time. Um, right, the one guy that didn't have the mic got angle slam, which I thought was very hilarious. Oh, it was. Yeah, the whole segment was great. I think I agree with you. I think they could have done a little bit less with those guys. Um, but I, I did like the storyline of kind of is uh, Rockstar Spug going to cash in option C. I enjoyed that Austin Aries also cashed in his title shot at the end of the show. So it should be a pretty action-packed impact next week with two world title matches on the same show. You got to be careful doing stuff like that because you had the May Mayhem show last week, which had an I Quit match and a Six Sides of Steel match. Now we're going to have two world title matches. It's like, you guys are giving me the kitchen sink every week. Why am I going to pay X amount of dollars to see Slammiversary on pay per view? I don't think so. Um, besides that, I really enjoy this best of five series they're doing with the Wolves and yes. the um, yes. Dirty Heels for the vacant titles. Did you see the end of that match? I did. I did. Oh my! I love the finish on that match. Like Bobby Roode played it perfectly. Um, kind of the cheat win there. I hope they do an even dirtier cheating win next week to bring that to the fifth and final match in the series for the vacant TNA Tag Team Championship. Um, the stuff with Mickey James I thought was kind of weird too. Um, I always preferred James Storm as kind of the Stone Cold Sandman esque uh, babyface character. Yep. But maybe that got played out in the time since I stopped watching TNA for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask your opinion on this. And I don't know if it's just me being used to a TV PG product, watching WWE as much as we do. But, right. like, I understand that Impact is TV 14. Yep. They're going to have some language. I didn't think they go overboard with the language. But if you're a company trying to pick up viewers and you know that kids – are a very prime target audience for pro wrestling. There's some stuff that they do that doesn't make sense to me. Being offensive just for the sake of being offensive, I think you steer away advertisers as well as potential audience. Several examples tonight of what they have their female wrestlers wearing, where it's just like, I'm a guy, but man, it's kind of beyond inappropriate if you're trying to get a national television audience like, I agree. Like the stuff, I, I definitely agree. The, and I'm not going to like go into specific detail about it because this is family-friendly podcast, but the stuff that Angelina Love was wearing and the stuff that um, the one girl from the dollhouse wore in the uh, the match with um, with Miss Tech, with Miss Techmock, Tessmacher, excuse me. Yes. Just some of the stuff they were wearing, it's like, man, I you could probably cover it up a little bit and class up the joint a little bit. Um some of the beatdown stuff they did backstage was pretty brutal, too, when the dollhouse 
attacked. Yep. Uh, I don't even know what the girl's name was. I got to brush up on my names on that company too. But what did was you think of? Uh, no, it was a different girl that's younger, and she was wearing orange. I can't, I can't place the name. But um, what are, what's your opinion about that? Should they yeah, tone the it down a little bit? Yeah, I, I would agree because even that was one of my first things I wanted to recognize, and this is a small thing about RH. What was they going to market as? TVPG, TV14. What was it? Did you notice? Pure, it was TVPG. It was it? just nothing but pure wrestling. Gruesome wrestling at that, but no, it was no blood, no weapons, or anything like that. But it was still good enough to say, okay, I would let my kid watch this if I had yeah. no kids or anything. But this is funny, though. The reason why I missed that part with the beatdown, because uh, I was talking to the wife, and she had just came home from work. And the first thing she saw was that scene that you were just talking about of, of how some of the women were wearing during that little gimmick. It was around like 1030. And the first thing my wife said, wow, she has really massive boobs. That was the first thing that she said. So my thinking is, let's say if you had brought your kid home from work and, oh, let's watch wrestling. TNA's having their first open tonight. And that's the first thing you see. You probably say, nah, kid, you're not watching this ever again. And like you said, I think that hurts because the people have to understand the 90s era where a lot of us grew in, that's part of this internet community that the wrestling fans like to call us, is not the same that where we are right now in the mid-2000s or 2015 uh, era. It's, it's more family-friendly. You have to appeal to the kids because that's where the money is. And, and granted, that's why I kind of appreciate what WWE kind of does with John Cena, and I can't believe I'm saying this, because this is why WWE is successful, because it's geared towards the kids. Even the promo that Cena did with Kevin Owens on yep. Raw even got me choked up a little bit about, you know, advertising that kid saying, I'm beating cancer. And he just kept going back to that kid. And you can't boo that. You have to cheer for that. And then if you got companies that want to make advertising behind WWE because you're promoting this about how to beat cancer, that's what's going to put you over the money. And this is what the TV deal is about. It's about money. So I think TNA is trying to hold on to that attitude error and trying to hold on to that graphic stuff, but you can still be edgy, but still be family friendly. And I think, like you said, it is hurting them. I, I completely agree. And I apologize, fans, once again, I have stopped watching TNA right after Mr. Anderson became the champion the first time because I felt like they was going to bring him down after he lost the belt and wasn't going to get it back. And he wasn't even on the show tonight. And that's one of my old-time favorite wrestlers. So it's been a while since I really sat down and watch the TNA Impact episode. Yeah, he was he was on there last week. He faced, um, he's done like a kind of, I guess, a mini program with um, EC3, which kind of wrapped up last week. But yeah, he was on last week. But yeah, it's, he's a guy I would like to see more often too. It's interesting that you brought up that promo. I think that was the best part of Raw this week. Mm-hmm. I sat down and watched that with my wife, and she's kind of a John Cena casual fan. And listening to that, she's like, this is why I like John Cena right there. And I was like, you know what? You're yeah. right. Um it's almost kind of like a meta storyline because Kevin Owens was talking about catchphrases don't matter and I beat Super Cena, which is a, a term that a lot of the IWC uses in their uh, complaints yes. about John Cena. And then he had Cena come out and say, yeah, but you know, this is what this represents. It was kind of um, extolling the virtues of what the TVPG product has become, tailoring towards exactly. kids. But I mean, even besides tailoring towards kids, like you said, your wife came home and caught a glimpse of Tina Impact and she was sort of offended by it. And I don't blame her. Yeah, um, yeah. If you're if you're in in a national market, you need to appeal to a national market. It's why ECW didn't work in the national market because it appealed to that very small niche of fans who enjoyed hardcore wrestling. And don't get me wrong, I love hardcore wrestling, 
but not everybody does, and you have to appeal to more people. I mean, kind of the, the way that they try to book it, at least the way I hope they're trying to book it, is make something on the television appear to a casual fan. They're going to say, you know what, that was cool. I want to tune in next week to see what else they got. And that's how you build an audience. Um, speaking of the casual fan, maybe we can go ahead and transition to this now. So, did you watch the Paul Heyman Stone Cold podcast this week? I, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Interesting. Uh, Very interesting podcast. It, it wasn't too dissimilar from the other podcasts he's done in just an audio version um, with Paul Heyman mm-hmm. in the past. Heyman's been on Austin's podcast, like, at least four times. But um, I guess the only part that really mattered was the last four to five minutes of it when Paul Heyman started asking the hard questions. And he's done yeah. this... On past episodes of Austin's podcast where he's mentioned that they should do an Austin uh, Lesnar match at WrestleMania 32 in Dallas, Arlington, Texas next year. But this time it got a little more serious to the point where Austin responded. He cut an in-character promo. He said he's going to have to think about it. And he said he would uh, he would destroy Brock Lesnar using family-friendly language there, of course. Uh, and he said, he, I'm going to go have to drink a beer and think about this. And he asked Paul Heyman to leave. Um, I don't think that they ended it that way on accident. And WWE.com has been very much promoting the possibility of this match. Um, the reason I brought this up, transitioning from casual fans, is that my wife's going to WrestleMania with our group next year. Um, we already booked all, all of our group, booked our hotel. We're going to be staying in Arlington next year for all you guys that want to hang out. We'll be in Arlington as much as Dallas. And I, I, we were working in the yard, and I mentioned the end of the podcast tour. And she goes, ooh, that's interesting. And I said, you know, would you want to see that match? Is that interest you as a casual fan? And she said, you know, I want to see Austin. And it would be cool to see Austin wrestle, especially since he hasn't wrestled, like, in since WrestleMania 19. But... Right do you want to see him work Lesnar? And she said, I don't know about that. What are, What do you think about the potential of that match, assuming, of course, that he's cleared and he can wrestle safely with the neck injuries of the past? Great question. And just like your wife, I am not sure if I want to see it. The reason why is because I feel like with the neck injuries that will happen uh, or that has happened in his past, I feel like it is not safe for him to do that. I, I think about Edge, Daniel Bryan, and I feel like even though he could be safe, even though he pass an impact test, he declares from the doctors, I just don't think he is safely enough to handle the brutality that Brock Lesnar could do at this present time. Um, think about when Brock Lesnar had fought against John Cena at SummerSlam, and it just wasn't that good, if you can imagine, if it was Stone Cold. How many suplex cities can Stone Cold handle? It's just, it's just, it's just up in the air about what he can do. Once again, I would love to see him there, but just a fight brought is not the safest thing for the. I would literally be scared and tense for every type of drop or a slam or anything that Stone Cold would be received on. I just don't know if he would be okay. So I would be more tense than excited about that match. Yeah, and maybe that's kind of what they're counting on a lot of people to react to it if they end up doing it. Like I think. I could just see the match going down. They ring the bell. Stone Cold does the traditional Luthez press and starts pounding on him and gets the advantage for a little bit, gets the crowd hot. And then we go to Suplex City for a while, and you really have the announcers especially sell it. Like, Austin has a degenerated neck. He hasn't wrestled in X amount of years. 
certainly he can't take much more of this. And then you have the baby face come back. But, like, do you really want to have Lesnar job to Austin after he's destroyed Cena? After, I would assume by this point, he will have destroyed Rollins. Um, after he defeated the streak at WrestleMania 30, do you really want to have a guy who's been retired for over 10 years come in and beat Brock Lesnar, considering he's one of your top draws that you're paying premium dollar for, he's your special attraction, and he's still going to have, um, what would that be, another two years on that deal? Yep. I, and, the, and then to the flip side of the coin, I don't think you can have Stone Cold come back for one more match and lose. Yeah, it's it's a bad, it's a lose lose situation because, like you said, if he beat the street, killed Cena, probably will kill Rollins, and still had a dominant rank as a part time champion, I think that would do justice or bad justice if he was to lose to Stone Cold. And you don't bring Stone Cold back to lose. It's like you didn't bring Rock back to lose. You, you, you beat Cena the first time, and even though he gave Cena the little rub, I think the first match was more important than Rock than the second one. So you can't you can't do that to Stone Cold. You can't even do a tie. It's, if you want to do Stone Cold with something in WrestleMania 32, it has to be a match. I would say it has to be a classic match with somebody like Sting, maybe Undertaker, maybe Rock, but somebody, maybe even Triple H, but maybe something that doesn't have to do with somebody that's hot right now, or somebody that's a main time, rather than part time or full time, a main time talent that's the money maker. Yeah, I either they could go that way with it, or it would be interesting to see him wrestle kind of a new up-and-coming guy, such as a Kevin Owens. Because Kevin Owens could be continue to be his disrespectful self moving forward, and then maybe you have Austin come in to do some sort of legend appearance on Raw and have Kevin Owens disrespect him. And you could build, yep. you could have him keep calling out Austin like, you're an old man... The attitude air is dead, and then um, Austin comes back for one more match, and like you could totally have him beat Kevin Owens, and Kevin Owens would be better for being in the ring because of it, even if he lost. Um, so something like that. I'm, but thing is, man, they already put it out there. Like it kind of seems like they're Let's going there. Yeah, it kind of seems like they're going there. I don't think you bring that up on accident. I think that. Um, they're going to try and put over 100,000 behinds in seats in Dallas, Arlington, Texas next year. I, it, I would be intrigued. I could at least check it off my wrestling bucket list that I got to see Austin work live. I've seen him do promos live before. I don't know. I, if you're Here's asking, a thought. Here's yeah, a thought, though. Yeah, yeah. I just thought about this. Because remember, Stephanie had her issue with Ronda Rousey. Let's say we have an Expendables versus the Authority. So you got Ronda Rousey against Stephanie McMahon, but you want to keep both of them safe because you don't want to expose either one in a wrestling aspect. So Stephanie's like, I'll get my husband and you bring somebody to the match. She brings Stone Cold. Yeah, that clean match, maybe. That could work. My thing is that he has been really adamant in the past that he would only come back for the right money and the right situation. And I feel like the focus would be as much, if not more, on Ronda Rousey from a pop culture standpoint. And I don't see him agreeing to that. As as entertaining as that could be, I don't see him agreeing to that. But um, I got to tell you, like, 
casual fan, I think that they're at least intrigued by the idea of an Austin Lesnar. We probably don't need to go too much further in depth on it tonight, but um, let's co- let's revisit this. I- I'm interested to see if they pick up on it anymore moving forward because you're clearly going to have Lesnar coming back either the end of this month or at the very latest, uh, that July 4th live special that he's been confirmed yeah. for. So, I don't know, man, because I'm already not digging the uh, the rumored Rock Triple H match that we might get next year. They could sell uh, me on it, but I, I would like to see it if it was if it involves Steph and Ronda Rousey, but it doesn't sound like Dana White's going to let that happen. And then you've got Sting Taker, and like, can those guys cobble together a match? I think that it would be more in the line of like a Hogan Rock where they don't do a whole lot, and the crowd really is the, what makes that match. Yeah, but true. The, you gotta. It's, it's going to be a lot of people. Yeah, man. I think they they've got to have probably four stellar matches on that card, and then two other pretty high profile matches in addition, and then you fill it out from there. And I don't know. I I just not digging it so far. But you know, Vince has sold me on things in the past. I'm sure that by the time we get to Texas next April, we'll be excited. One thing I will say in closing out about uh, what that podcast was, I hope Vince doesn't do what he did for WrestleMania 31. Please don't set yourself up that whatever you're trying to do or whoever you're trying to promote in WrestleMania 32, don't make it obvious because people are going to turn. And I hope they're not doing this for Roman Reigns again with Money in the Bank. They did it for uh, Royal Rumble. It did not work. So whatever you're doing for 32, make sure you have your plan, but keep a secret safe where you don't see it coming as a fan. If you see it predictably, predictably coming and you shove it down the fans and not think they're smart, you're going to rebel on the biggest WrestleMania you can possibly have. Yeah, that Money in the Bank match, I, I'm pretty sure Roman Reigns is going to win it, but if you if Dean won the title and then you had Roman Reigns cash in on him, be a great way to turn him heel, and then it would definitely work, especially if you threw him at Lesnar again, which I think they're going to go there. Yep. They had a great match. I would love to see them go again. Um, I'm not going to do any SmackDown spoilers. I did read the SmackDown spoilers, but uh, you're not going to like where they're going with the Money in the Bank match tomorrow. They added someone else to it, and it's not Bray Wyatt. That's all I'm going to say right now. <sighs> I'm about to say, like, where's Bray Wyatt? Like, where's Trent? Because remember when Zack Ryder used to have his little uh, YouTube show, he always used to ask, where's Brent? I'm about to ask, where's Brent? Yeah, man. I, we better go before we start getting in. We can have a whole... Why don't we do that, actually? Why don't we have... Let's see where they go with Bray here in the next week. But we probably need to have ourselves a Bray Wyatt Complain Fest podcast because I'm just... Yes. I'm really bumming pretty hard on just such a wasted talent. Maybe the dude's hurt and he's a working limited schedule, but I, I don't... Anyways, why, why don't you close it out before right. before I get off on a tangent? Well, folks, thank you again. If you heard any technical difficulties on tonight's show, once again, Wi-Fi is not perfect, technology is not perfect, but we're going to try to bring perfect shows to you every time. Uh, continue to like us as we get 10 episodes in, and almost in the month. So continue to watch, and I appreciate the fans so far that's been supporting us. And continue to listen, um, and we'll see where we can go. Uh, make sure you look us up on Twitter because we do our Twitter reviews. I mean, our Twitter uh, chats too, especially do our live shows. Um, and we'll see you again soon. Yeah. Okay, I'll, anyone, anything before we leave? 
Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be coming back with you guys on the solo tip here, um, either Friday late late or sometime Saturday. I'm going to be attending uh, Mick Foley's stand up show this Friday in Dubuque, Iowa. Excellent. And I will be giving a full live report. Uh, I hear he does a meet and greet after all his shows. I'm hoping to snap a picture with him and uh, tell him how much I appreciated, how much he's entertained me over half of my life between wrestling, uh, stand-up now, as well as uh, all the books he's written. I've read every novel and autobiography the guy's written so far. Not all of his children's books, but some of them. Um, but huge Mick Foley fan. Can't wait to see him do stand-up this Friday, and I'll come back at you guys with a, a review of my experience uh, at a show. All right, guys. Well, you have a good evening, and we'll hear or see you next time. This has been another production of the Big Goat Belt Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at BGB Group or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Big Gold Belt. Email us at BigGoldBeltGroup at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.